Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Let's go into our message tonight, and we're going to talk about control for the soul, part two. And we're picking up from last week when we talked about control for the soul. And I asked you the question, who is going to control your soul? Remember that your spirit and your soul and your body, which is represented even in this image, is to identify that you are made of three things. You have a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. So the the soulish part of you is like the middle part of you, is your emotions and your feelings. This is where you can get down. This is where you can lose heart. This is where you can get aggravated. Come on now. This is where your emotions live, where you could say things like, I just don't feel like I used to feel. I'm just not in love like I used to be in love. Yes, amen there. I'm just not into it like I was. Something's not the same. And our feelings come into play in our emotions. And what I'm trying to get us to as a body to understand is you in your spirit man have control over your soul. Your soul doesn't have to boss you anymore. You are illuminated by the Holy Ghost. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. And you have authority and, and you can tell your, spirit, your soul how the cow eats the cabbage. <laughs> you can tell your soul you're going to line up and act right. You can tell your soul, you better, boy, you better straighten up. That's how you, you can tell your soul you're not going to get depressed. You're not going to get down. You're not going to get your feelings hurt. You're not going you're gonna to go pull pity party. Your soul is going to line up. I want everybody to tell your soul to line up. And if the person next to you is not participating, you just go ahead and speak into them and tell their soul, you better straighten it up right now. So who is going to control your soul? Is it going to be your spirit man or is it going to be your flesh man? Now, let's go in the scriptures, and I've been reading out of the Amplified on a lot of this, but I want to read the King James Version on this in Luke 21 and verse 19 because the Bible says, in your patience possess ye your souls. So I want us to read that together. In your patience possess ye your souls. So you obviously see that he is talking about patience. Everybody say patience. But as we talked and dug into the scripture last week, that we begin to deal with patient endurance. So patience and patient endurance. And the word said that in your patience, you would learn how to possess, manage your soul. <laughs> in your patience, patience would teach me the process of managing my soul. We either possess our soul or our soul possesses us. How many know somebody possessed? And okay, how many know? You either possess your soul or your soul's possessing you. Your soul is bossing you around, making you look foolish. Come on now. You either possess your soul, isn't that what the Bible said? Possess ye. Possess ye your what? Your soul. In your patience, possess ye your soul. Now, where is patience? Well, impatience is in our flesh. Patience is in your spirit. So if I live in the spirit realm, out of my spirit, patience lives in my spirit. Impatience is the contrast that lives in my body, in my flesh. And they are always warring against each other on the battlefield of my soul. Patience lives in my spirit. Impatience lives in my flesh. Are you here? Say this with me. Control for the soul. Now, I want to say something because I'm a very, very focused 
and determined person. And it's kind of a requirement for what I do, to be focused, to be determined, uh, sometimes abrasive, to be uh, goal-oriented. Goal but it also, in my nature, it presents a challenge for me. Because when I'm focusing in on something, I'm the kind of person that I don't want to be interrupted. If I'm focusing on something and I'm into it, please don't call. Please don't say my name. Please don't sidetrack me when I'm really into something. Come on now. Y'all pray for me. Uh, when I'm focusing in on something, I don't want to hear people giving me a bunch of opinions and you should have tried that and, and you should have done that. I, want, I don't really want to get interrupted. And, and for me, I have to really stay in a mind of prayer not to allow myself to get aggravated. I was scheduled to speak at a conference out of state and I had flown from Indianapolis. I was headed out to Arizona and I was going to be speaking at this pastor's leaders conference and uh, before I got there, I got delayed. I got delayed in Charlotte. I got rerouted to Dallas and then I was trying to get to Phoenix and then I had a guy that was supposed to pick me up at the airport. They said, we'll have a driver there for you to pick you up because it's a drive to get to uh, the church, it's a, probably a good hour drive. And I knew when we started having delays, Arthur, I knew, uh-oh, here we go. And I knew I was scheduled to speak at a, at a set time. Now, I'm on East Coast time trying to get to Arizona, which was like three hours behind. So I had thought to myself, or uh, Anthony, that I had a cushion time. I thought, oh, I, I can do this. I, can, I won't have any problem. But because we were delayed because of weather and flights were rerouted and directed, I was just getting more aggravated. Come on, somebody. I was getting, I'm telling all over myself, I was getting more aggravated. I was getting ants in my pants. I was getting so upset, being delayed twice. When I finally got to Phoenix, the guy that was supposed to pick me up. And, and here I was running late. But the driver who picked me up to take me to the church, he didn't seem like he was in any hurry at all. He wanted counseling. He wanted to talk my ear off. I mean, I was like, listen, dude. In my mind, I said, listen, just hush and get me to the church. You are driving me crazy. And here, I was supposed to preach. I knew I was going to be late to the service. I knew I don't, I don't like to be late to anything, especially if I'm the keynote speaker coming in like I'm at the Macy's Day Parade all late. I, I was aggravated. I was scheduled to speak, and I was really just irritated, and the, the later I was, it seemed like the more traffic we got into, and this guy is letting people in. <laughs> Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? The faster I wanted to get there, the more he wanted to talk, and I was trying to read my notes. I knew I, had, I didn't have no prep, didn't have a chance to even brush my teeth. I didn't hardly have a chance to change clothes. I was wearing sweatpants, wearing a jogger's outfit. I was looking pretty good in my Adidas, by the way. But I wasn't going to preach like that. And so I was thinking, how am I going to get changed? And are they going to have a space for me? I mean, all these things were running through my mind. And, and, and the later we were, the slower he drove. And I found myself getting so upset and here I'm supposed to be the speaker in the service. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, be nice. I mean, after all, we're going to church. Sister Bev said that was her talking. All the way from Indianapolis, she was, she was dropping it in on me. The Holy Ghost said, be nice. Now, how many know the Holy Ghost knows how to correct you?
The Holy Ghost knows how to deal with you. And needless to say, I did make it to the meeting. I was late. But just as I came out of the pastor's office, had just enough time to change clothes, put a breath mint in my mouth, they were introducing me and I walked up onto the platform. <sighs> Being nice is a choice, especially when your patience is being tried. And this is another reason that we have to learn how to possess our soul. You are who you are. How many know that? You are who you are, but you can't use that as an excuse to not possess your soul. You can't keep telling people, you know how we are? Yeah, we really do. <laughs> you know how we is? You know our people are like this? You know we get loud and yell and punch holes in drywall? You know we, no, that's not an excuse to say we know how you are. I surely wouldn't be telling that because that, that don't sound good. It makes you look bad. Because if you have the Holy Ghost, if you have Jesus in your life, you are constantly being modified. You are constantly being enhanced by the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, in your life, fruit development, so that you can end up being a person of character, not a character that we read about in the Looney Tunes paper. You are who you are, but you cannot use that as an excuse to not possess your soul. But I want to say this to you because I know I am who I am and you are who you are and I know that God loves me in spite of me. I know he loves me for who I am in spite of my lack of patience at times. I know I'm going to heaven even though sometimes I'm not very patient. I know he loves me, has purchased me, has washed me in his blood, and I know I'm on my way to glory even though I don't always have the patience that I need to have. And I believe heaven's gonna be wonderful, but I wanna live here on earth with a reward. Paycheck. Tell your neighbor payday's coming. I don't wanna wait till I get to heaven to get all the rewards. I believe I can have some here too. Now, let me give you some Bible. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says this. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. And when I read that verse, if we could be real, that's a great scripture, but not many people do that scripture not many people live this scripture because he said, count it all joy. We really love that verse, but we don't always obey that verse. We don't know how sometimes to keep it joyful. It's not fun when you go through trials, amen? We're supposed to consider what the trial is going to do for us spiritually and therein is our joy. When I factor in what the trial's gonna do for my spirit man, that's where I get my joy. That's when I realize it was for my good and for his glory. So you have to understand that we're all gonna have hard times, but it's in those hard times that you learn how to control your soul. During those times when things don't happen good, when you get a flat tire, when the kids are acting crazy, when the cat has heartworms, <laughs> when, when the washing machines decide to give, its, give up, you know, it's going on its last leg. You have to say, even in the hard times, I must learn how to possess my soul. I don't have the luxury of flying off the handle. I don't have the luxury of cussing people out. I've been changed. Come on, somebody. I've been newborn. I, I have a new man living inside of me. I don't have the luxury of saying, I'm going to set my Sunday of religion aside and enter here on my flesh because to me, I don't live a compartmentalized life. I live the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't turn into another person on Friday so I can go to the club. I don't turn into another person on Monday when I don't want to talk to me until I've had three gallons of coffee 
No, no, so I live in glory. I go from glory unto glory because I learn how to possess my soul. So in the hard times, I still know how to control my soul. So I don't buy this excuse, uh, pardon my French. No, you meant every word you said. Can we be real tonight? Look at James chapter 1 and verse 3. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. <laughs> he said the trial and the proving of your faith is going to bring some stuff out. Oh my. It's true. How many know that when you have trials, it brings out patience? He said the trial and the proving of your faith would bring endurance out, would bring steadfastness out, and would bring patience out. But it can also bring a whole lot of other stuff out too. When you're going through a trial, whatever's in you is coming out. If you hit your thumb with a hammer trying to nail something in and you cuss, you can't say, well, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. Whatever's in you is coming out. Can I preach to a sanctified church? Can I preach to a church that understands that you crucify your flesh, you mortify the deeds of your body, that you do crucify your flesh so that your spirit man has control. Instead of cussing somebody out, I can say, hallelujah! Trials and the proving of your faith will cause all this stuff, it will bring out. Mm. It will bring out a lot of stuff that you didn't know was down inside of you. Stuff you didn't know that you were carrying around. A hot temper where you yell at everybody. You shout on Sunday and turn into the screaming demon on Monday. You got a hot temper. Can't nobody talk to you without you losing your control and yelling at everybody. You screaming like the beast of revelation. You, you just yell at every, everybody on your block knows you're a screamer. They can hear through your paper walls. Come on, it's quiet in here. You didn't know it was in you until a trial came and you lost your temper and you lost your lid. You didn't know it was in there. You didn't know opinionations was in there where you were always giving your opinion when it wasn't even asked for. People didn't even ask you for an opinion, but you're right there, Johnny on the spot, dotting every I, crossing every T, let everybody know your opinion. You found out that when you went through a trial, your sharp tongue came out where you've used your tongue like a sword to cut people down. You don't even have to take a gun to them. You don't even have to take a stick of dynamite to them. All you have to do is use your tongue. Don't look at nobody because it's getting quiet in here. You didn't know you had a critical nature in you where you criticize everything. Criticize everything in the church. Criticize everything on the job. Criticize everything about your spouse. You got a critical nature. Didn't know it was in there, but he said it would prove your faith and it would bring it out. Envy would come out. Jealousy would come out. You didn't even know you were jealous until you saw Sister Hoopendiddle riding in her new ride. And all of a sudden, you eyed her. Hmm, how's she fording that? She must not be tithing. Another vacation? They must not be tithing. How they afford to do all that? See how the Holy Ghost just drops stuff? Until finally, when all of it comes out, you get to a place in your walk with God that you learn how to handle things with patience. For the most part, I would consider myself a patient person once we get to our destination. The last, <laughs> the last big trip we took with a group of people from our church and we went to a conference, my wife has a way of leaning in and reminding me. Now she says, 
Honey, she says, now you have to remember not everybody has long legs like you do. And you have a tendency of walking real fast. And I'm like, I don't walk fast. What you talking about? But even my response to her <laughs> brought it out. Because we don't want to be anybody tell us what to do. Ooh, it's quiet in here. It is. I thank you for that one amen. We... We don't want nobody telling us. She'll say, now, honey, I'm just telling you because, you know, you get ahead. Because she knows that I like to get somewhere and break my record every time. <laughs> but for the most part, <laughs> I consider myself to be a patient person. I'm patient. I found in my own life, and I'm just saying this from my heart, that I found that when people make mistakes, I'm a very patient person. I'm patient with people. If you, those of you that know me, uh, and know me well, know that I am patient when people make mistakes. I'm patient in many, many areas, but there's still stuff that God's helping me through. Amen? Now, there is a reward, so hold on to your seat, because there is a reward through this stuff. Look at James 1 and 4. And he said, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience. So here he just told us that the trial is going to bring some stuff out. He said it would bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. This is what it's going to bring out of you. Come on now. The trial of your faith is going to force patience, endurance, and steadfast to come up out of you. And when that happens, he said, but let endurance and steadfast and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. He says if we keep this up and we learn how to develop patience, we will lack nothing. That ought to make somebody happy. Another translation said we be wanting in wanting nothing. So when endurance and patience and steadfastness have their thorough work and there's a development, come on now, there's a development happening with no defects in there. I work my way through all the snags, the tears, the defects, the, all, the, all the things that could, the cogs and the wheels, every, all the linchpins, I get through all of it and there's a good development. I will want for nothing. There'll be no lack in my Life. Come on, somebody. That's what he was saying. He said the things that make us miserable or the things that, that uh, when, we don't want, when we want something that we don't have, those are the things that make us miserable most of the time. We see something we want, but we don't have it. And we get miserable. But he said you're going to be so full woo, when it's done its perfect, fully developed work in your life. Endurance and patience and steadfastness has worked itself out of you. My God, you are going to in lack for nothing. What he's saying is you're going to be so full of patience that you're so fully trusting in God. I trust you, Lord, that I know that when the time is right, you'll give it to me because I have learned how to let patience, endurance, and steadfastness work itself out in my life so I'm able to enjoy where I'm at on my way to where I'm going. That's letting God control your soul. While I'm at where I'm at, I can enjoy where I'm going. I'm not going to be all fussed up, feel like everybody's getting ahead of me, everybody's advancing in but me. Now, I want to say something here. We all have strengths, and we all have weaknesses. So I want to say this. Feeling, feeling impatient is not a sin. It's being impatient that causes you to stumble. Just because you feel impatient doesn't mean you are in sin. But when you act with impatience, it will cause you to stumble and miss out. And actually, God is so proud of us when we feel impatience, but we revert to self-control. 
He is so proud of us. I was impatient, Lord. You knew I was, but I allowed myself to possess my soul and I chose self-control and it all comes back to my love for him. Having self-control all comes back to my love for God, my love for Jesus, because I love him and I know I represent him. So I no longer have the luxury of doing what I feel all the time. We have to learn that just because I feel something doesn't mean I have to do something. Feelings don't boss me. I am learning how to possess my soul. I want you to write this down. We have to learn to own our feelings and not let them own us. Own your feelings and don't let your feelings own you. Feeling angry is not a sin. It's acting on that anger that becomes a sin. The Bible says be angry and sin not. We are also told when you're angry, not if, but when. <laughs> not if you're angry, but when you're angry. He said, don't let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. When you're feeling angry, work it through with God so that you can go to bed in peace. And that is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Can I say this to you tonight? Discipline is not your enemy. Self-control is not your enemy. Discipline is your friend. Discipline is given to us by God to help us be what we want to be, do what we want to do, and have what we say we want to have. But we never have what we want to have unless we operate in self-control. Now, let me prove it to you. Go to Galatians 5 and 22. And the Bible says here discussing the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm reading this from the Amplified. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence, his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, humility, and self-control. Now, I want you to look at that, and I've given it to you in this version because I want you to see this. You know what I think this is saying? Out of the nine that are listed here, self-control is at the end. Now, the reason I think that self-control is at the end is because it holds all the others in place. Now, let me explain. Self-control will help you love unlovely people. Self-control will help you to be kind to unkind people. Self-control will help you to be good to people who aren't good to you. Self-control will help you be at peace with those who try to make war against you. Self-control will help you to be gentle when people are abrasive to you. Say it with me, self-control. He puts self-control on the end, my God. He pins the tail on the donkey. Come on now. He puts it right on the end and makes it be that self-control is the ending of all the nine. He starts with love and he ends with self-control. Say it with me again, self-control. If you have self-control in you as a gift from Jesus, even if you aren't even operating in it yet, but if you have it in you, listen, don't ever say, I don't ever want to hear people say, well, I just, I just don't have any self-control, pastor. If I eat one cookie, I have to eat the whole bag. If I have one Dorito, I got to have the whole bag. I just don't have any self-control. That is a lie. You do have self-control. Aren't you born again? Aren't you filled with the Holy Ghost? You have authority over the devil and you can't get authority over a cookie. Listen to me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
Write this down. The fruit of the Spirit has to be developed in us. We have it because when we receive Jesus, he moves his spirit in us and deposits this in us even if it's underdeveloped or not developed at all. You have it in you even if you're not using it yet. So the fruit of the spirit has to be developed in us and we have to develop it. We have to develop it. How do we develop something? We exercise it. How do you develop a muscle? You exercise it. Are you here? That's why if you pray for patience, God will give you a reason to have to be patient. If you pray for love, oh, Lord, I just want to love everybody, then he's going to put some unlovable people in your life. If you pray for financial increase, he's going to test you in your tithe, your offering, and your faith to give. God will force you to exercise it and develop it. If you pray for it on Sunday, you'll have to exercise it on Monday. You have all of this in you. You may not be able to see it yet, but that's why we have to exercise it. Amen? So that we can develop it. I remember when I first started going to the gym. I was going to the gym, and I mean, I was really hitting it. This before I had to deal with cancer, and I was a year off my feet. Felt like I never did get my energy or my strength back. Maybe it was my time of, of, the, of, uh, of the season of my life where I was changing in my uh, strength and my energy level, but the devil's still alive. But I was hitting the gym, and I was lifting weights, and I was, I mean, I was doing a whole routine. And I'll never forget when I first went and started working out at the gym, I mean, it about killed me. I was sore for two years. <laughs> Tell me. I had somebody training me, and I'm telling you, they were rough on me. They did not cut me any slack. Come on now. And I'm doing triceps and biceps and quadceps, and I was doing seps. I was doing... <laughs> Sets of saps and oh my goodness, I, I have on my phone all these things I'm supposed to be doing and I had a whole list and I remember that I was trained, he would train me for a week and then I'd go to the gym on my own and do it all and next time I seen him I said, man it's taking me like, it's taking me like an hour and a half to do all this. He said, it should only take you like 45 minutes. I said, he said, what are you doing? I said, all of this. He said, you're only supposed to do half of it. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, I was sore. But the more I exercised, come on, the more I got into a routine, I began to develop some muscles. And my wife would say, oh, look at you now. What you talking about? You know how guys do try to pump their chest up? They got a bird chest. They start. I never made it that far. <laughs> but you don't get developed unless you exercise. The way you exercise, it brings development. Exercise develops us. Amen? Now, let me give you some scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1 and 3 says this. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things. Say all things. Power has been bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. So he's saying in this passage, God by his grace and mercy has given us everything that we need to live an amazing life. He's given us all things from his power. Verse, the next verse. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises 
so that through them you may escape by flight the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is the world. He said, by grace, I'm giving you these promises so that you'll have all things to have a great life. And if you can enact these promises in your life, then through them, you'll escape all the junk that's in the world. I'm going to give you power and pour promises on you, and you'll be able to walk free from the junk of the world through my power, my grace in your life, because I want you to know how to live a joyful life. And then he gets to verse 5. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises. Whose diligence? Your diligence. Diligence is something that I do. He said, by you adding your diligence to the divine promises. Woo-hoo-hoo. Somebody said, do I got to be involved? You go, sometimes you're going to have to make your own bologna sandwich. Put works with your faith. He said, by you adding your diligence to the divine promises, this is helping me, employ every effort in doing what? Exercising your faith to develop, there it is, to develop what? Virtue, excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge and intelligence. And so he tells us that we are part of the effort. He employs us to be part of the effort. We give the effort. We do it. Our parents can't do it for us. Our spouse can't do it for us. Our pastor can't do it for us. We have to employ every effort and exercise to develop. You can't wait for somebody to pour a bottle of oil on your head and say, yea, I say unto you. You've got to get down in the trenches. You've got to exercise, add your effort to the promise of God and be diligent and say, I'm exercising my faith. I'm allowing myself to be developed through the trial and through the trial, I will learn how to possess my soul so that I can tap in to the promises of God and live free from the junk of this world and not always be depressed and not always be suicidal and not always be down in the mouth because somebody didn't shake my hand. I've learned how to possess my soul. My, my, my. And then he goes to verse 6. Because he says, and in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfast, develop godliness, piety. And in verse 7, and in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. Who has to exercise it? We do. What did he say? What did he say in adding your diligence in verse 5? Bring it verse 5 back up just for a minute. And adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop. I can't just say, well, you know, the church just isn't feeding me anymore. And, you know, I just don't get anything out of I just don't. I just, honey, your problem is you. Your problem's not the church. Problem's not your wife, not your husband, not your job. Your problem is you. Because you can sit up under anointed teaching and preaching and get so fat on the word, spoiled, but never leave to exercise what you just heard and develop it in your life. And when you live underdeveloped, you have a hard time getting off the couch. 
All these verses on down to verse 7, aren't these scriptures like powerful? Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. He said, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. So say that with me. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Every good thing that you need is already in your spirit. But it comes to you in seed form. And I'll prove it to you. It's not in your notes, but in 1 John 3 and 9, jot it down. It says that the divine seed from God has been planted in us. Everything you need is already been planted. Glory to God. In your spirit. 1 John 3 and 9 says that the divine seed of God has been planted in us. His seed is in us. And we become, pardon this expression, pregnant with the godliness of his spirit. Every seed, he plants his divine seed in us and we become pregnant, come on, with godliness and our spirit. He put himself in us. And just like a pregnant woman doesn't show at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could, I could put like eight ladies up here who are pregnant. Start with one who just found out they're pregnant. And one who's like this. Are you here? Just like the pregnant woman doesn't show it first. But over time, what's in our spirit begins to show. Come on. Till the process of time, we get ready to birth something amazing. Because we have learned how to possess our soul. And what comes out of us is something beautiful. And you know who the birth coach is? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is saying, push, baby, push, breathe, breathe. In this season, breathe. Now I want you to push, 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 breathe, push, breathe, push, breathe, push. And the Holy Ghost is walking us through while we are exercising our faith and developing the Spirit of God in us. And we are learning to move out of trials and tribulations and have learned to exercise and add our faith to the promise of God and say, Lord, I didn't see it at first, but now it's walking in me. I feel like I'm about to bust. I feel like I'm about to birth something and you will birth a ministry. You will birth a marriage. You will birth a blessing because you learn how to control your soul. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, push, baby, push. Can I tell you, besides sitting on the couch all through this pandemic, can you imagine what Bethel Family Worship Center could look like if all of us exercised our faith and developed our future? Can you imagine what it would look like this past year when we sat worrying and frustrated and ran out of steam because we didn't know what to do next? Had we taken that time to exercise our faith and develop our future, can I say to you, Bethel Family Worship Center, rest assured, God is going to teach us one way or another how to possess our souls. One way or another, he's going to teach you how to master your emotions. One way or another, he's going to teach you how to deal with your moodiness. Silent treatments. One way or another, he's going to help me deal with crucifying this flesh once and for all. 
Because possessing your soul is a sanctifying process. I grew up in a church that shouted a lot and preached holiness and sanctification. And at that time, holiness meant the ladies wore skirts and no makeup or jewelry. The men wore white shirts, couldn't grow a beard or a mustache. <laughs> we wore white dress shirts. Come on, smile at me. <laughs> Ooh, it's so quiet. Because we thought that's what holiness was. I'm not, I'm not pushing against those folks because I can talk about it because I came out of it. I came from it and I can talk about it. I learned some good stuff in that. I learned what to do and what not to do. I learned how to shun the very appearance of evil. That young couples who aren't married together don't travel together to avoid the appearance of evil. So no one can assume that you might be sleeping together. Yeah, you don't want me to talk like this tonight. I come up the old way. Kept me from a lot of junk. Wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. But it kept me. They called it shamefacedness. My mom said, you need to have shamefacedness. I said, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know, but you need it. And shamefacedness. <laughs> Somebody get back to me on the revelation. <laughs> should get back with me. <laughs> you need some shamefacedness. And I think really what it boiled down was you ought to have enough of fear of God in you that you don't want to do anything to bring a reproach on the name of Jesus. Because if I'm going to call myself a Christian, then I'm going to conduct myself as a Christian Sunday through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so they would teach me things like that and to shun the very appearance of evil and don't let your good be evil spoken of. And, you know, don't, let the, don't give the devil an inch, you'll take a mile. I'm like, where is that chapter of verse? It's not in there. It's just a saying, you know, like people say godliness is, what is it, cleanliness is next to God. That's not in the scripture. But people say, oh, what? I thought that was a scripture. It's not. Now, there are scriptures that reference things like that. But we've got to be careful what we... <laughs> but I learned enough from the old church and the old saints to have a fear of God in me that I didn't want to do anything to bring a reproach to Him. And I know we're in a different time. But not those, those fundamentals and principles do not change. And it is your responsibility, church, listen to me. It is your responsibility as much as my responsibility to teach the generation coming behind us to learn how to possess their soul. To manage your soul so that you don't get mesmerized by the first person that comes along and think, oh, I just got to get married. I just need, I got to have somebody. You'll end up looking back and saying, wishing to God you didn't get what you got. You better wait on him and have some shamefacedness in the process. Come on, stand to your feet. Can we laugh a little bit? Because we, we have to smile. We have to smile about it. It's all a process of learning how to possess your soul. And I promise you, now that we've preached about this, this is the second part of this message, that, not, that all of us who heard it are going to have to live it this week. Patience. <laughs> Patient endurance. The love test. The self-control test. The Lord, the Holy, I'm going to tell you a funny story as, as I'm closing and they're coming to the sing, but um, one year, Pastor Bev and I had gone to a TJ Maxx and we were trying to buy presents for Christmas for our family. And this is how the Holy Spirit had to deal with me. And we were by, in the men's department and, and you know, in TJ Maxx, they have gadgets and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I love looking at gadgets and all that kind of stuff. 
uh, tie clips and binoculars. <laughs> well, now anymore, you can't, everything on there is a flask. I mean, you have to really look to find good stuff, you know. And they have all this stuff on there. And, and I'm in there. And then I saw this huge tie section. And I was like, oh. And they had a big sale going on for ties, Damien. A big sale. And I went over to this tie section. And let's say that this is the rack. And I was there by myself. Nobody impeding on my space. Because isn't it courtesy if you see somebody in a general area... You wait, come on, Jessica, you wait, right? We wait till they're gone and then we make our way in because we don't want to just impose upon people. I'm just that nature. I don't want to be up in people's business. Well, here I am, minding my business and going down. You know, I'm, you, you start going down this way. And this thing was big, you know. And here come this lady, and I kid you not, she come right up next to me. She didn't come over on this side or on the other side. She come up right up next to me. And my flesh. You know what I did? I just kept keeping moving this way. And she started moving this way. And it got to where our elbows were touching. And I did one of these. <coughs> And she did the same thing back. And I'm telling you, we about had a fight at the tie rack. Come on, Rick. I about fought this woman at the tie rack. And you know who was watching all that? Pastor Bev. And I, after I, I finally had had enough, and I switched. And I heard that lady behind me mumbling under her breath. I said, lady, you got a lot of nerve. That's what I was saying. And I went over to tell on her to my wife. I said, you'll never believe. She goes, I saw it all. You should have behaved. You should behave yourself that way. She called me out at TJ Maxx. But really, I needed to learn how to have patience to possess my soul. Come on, self-control. Self-control. How many know we're learning about it? And we'll be tested on it. And when you are tested, do not call me, email me, or blame me. Just say, thank you, Lord, for being faithful to my soul. Can you lift your hands all over this house? Can we surrender our spirit to God? Father, we surrender ourselves. We surrender our will. We surrender our nature. We surrender our heart, our living, all to you, Lord. We surrender. As we sing this song, can you just take a moment and begin to praise the Lord tonight? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 